it's the what Monday? No, it's Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday. It's, it's Wednesday. Monday. It's not Monday. It's Wednesday. It's definitely not Monday. I feel like Monday. Some days I feel like it's a Monday, but definitely not. It is Canuck Central on a Wednesday. Safdie Arshal with Vic Nazar still in for the one and only Dan Riccio away this week. And on Wednesdays we have a lot of fun because. We do overrated, underrated. It's Bick's favorite segment. Bick um, actually has a notification. He has an alarm on his phone for... During the season, during I, the season. I've turned it off. Because our schedule is kind of more unpredictable. It's, it's all over the place. Yeah. Like today, we're 2 to 4, for instance. Yeah. Usually, we're 4 to 6 or 3 like, to 5. Today's Canuck Central is coming on before the usual time slot of People Show. Right. Which is crazy. It's, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. So, so we're definitely into the spring slash almost summer scheduling here Yeah. Uh, for Sportsnet 650, and we're all over the place. But By the way, I'm choosing to take it as a compliment that you thought it was Wednesday, or you thought it was Monday, because if the past two days you're like, oh, they were so easy, it was like a weekend, uh, rather than be like, oh, they were so forgettable, it's like a Monday. <laughs> oh, no, it was so bad, I blacked out. <laughs> I forgot two days happened. like, where's Dan? I need Dan back. <laughs> I mean, I've only been working with you for how long now? Has Too it been long. almost seven, it's, what, six years? Uh, 2017, yeah. We're yeah. coming up on six years. Coming up on six years, yeah. My, my no sat clause has never kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've tried to get that enacted so many times. No, it's probably not happening. Not happening. Josh is going to put that in soon, too. <laughs> I keep following you. I don't know what's going on. Josh is waiting for precedence to be set. Just like the NHL free agency market, it's like, I need someone to get a clause in their contract, and then I can follow the yeah. clause. Well, I mean, as, as long, yeah, I mean, at the same time, my co-host has been kind of a kiss of death over the years, too. <laughs> so it's it's been one of those hey, things. Hey, me too. <laughs> That's one of those things. All right, enough about us. You can always get in touch with us on our Dunbar Lumber Text Unbox, 650-650. We're going to talk to George oh. Richards out of Florida coming up in a bit. We'll discuss the cup final, Florida Panthers and Vegas Golden Knights. And how the Panthers find them found themselves in yet another cup final and what Luong goes up to and how big a part he's played as AGM as well. We'll get into all that coming up with George Richards in the next segment of the show. We're just counting down the days for the cup final to also be over. Because that brings us one day closer to the National Hockey League draft, which is exactly four weeks away. Four weeks from now, the Vancouver Canucks will be selecting in the first round. Where in the first round still, I guess, to be determined. We do think number 11. And not that much left before we get to free agency. And not only are the Canucks looking to make trades and free agent signings and, and draft players, they're also looking to sign a couple of key players, one more notable than any other one, and that is Elias pettersson Bick. They can't really start earnestly negotiating a contract anyways until July 1st, until he is officially into the final year of his contract. But J.P. Barry, his agent, who has spoken on numerous occasions, spoke to Pierre Lebrun, who had an article in The Athletic, and he once again reiterated what he believes to be the desire to get a long-term deal done. But he did kind of say, we're not in a hurry at the moment. We're going to let some free agent signings play out over the course of the summer, and we're going to definitely probably do something sometime this summer, but perhaps even in the fall, so the posture was a negative or, hey, this guy doesn't want to be here, but it was very much of kind of wait and see on what the parameters are going to be. Yeah, but I think the for, for me, the overall takeaway was fairly positive. Like think of the tone where we were two years ago to where we are now. Mm -hmm. That whole summer was so murky with Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes as restricted free agents. And it, it was tense even leading up to training camp. Yeah. And then he this, comes in and plays poorly right afterwards, and it's just a very bad situation overall. This kind of being an already positive development of saying, hey, like it might take till 
August, October kind of thought. Mm-hmm. That's far more positive than where we were two years ago. Yeah, the, com- the, the discussion wasn't, hey, he still has to decide if he wants to be here or not. We're going to wait and see. It was, hey, probably was going to sign long term. We'll figure out exactly when that's going to happen. And the reason I see the pause, I wouldn't say a pause, but JP making it seem like, hey, we're going to take some time here to negotiate this and let things play out is because if Pedersen signs the contract in July 1st, or if he signs it next July 1st, like he's not going to see that money for 365 days. You know, like that money's not going to kick in until the following year, no matter what. It's an extension after next season. So no matter when he signs before that contract kicks in, he's not seeing any of the money mm-hmm. anyways. You don't want to, if you want to sign long-term, you do want to get something done before the season starts because you get into the last year of your contract, you want to have all that stuff figured out. But there make it makes no difference to Pedersen outside of maybe some peace of mind long-term, whether they get the deal done on July 1st or October 1st. The money's still coming the year come after July anyway. 1st, 2024. Well, and, October 2024. And you give yourself the few months before the season to get the best deal for your client. So I think it's that's how I see it. I see it as they want to get a deal done before the season begins, but they're not in a rush to sign it as soon as July 1st comes around. I think it matters as we're just joking with Josh. Like The precedents that get set matter. And maybe they don't want to be the one that leads to market. Right. Because they have the luxury of time. They have the extra year. But if some things happen around the NHL that indicate, hey, this is the time to strike, similar to when we saw the D market explode a couple of years ago when like Darnell Nurse yeah. signs that deal. Every D man's looking around saying, like, hey, I gotta sign this deal now, because what if it cools off a little bit? If there's some funny spending that happens this summer, do you look at it and say is it worth the risk for an extra 300, 500K? And you then have to go put up a 100-point season when we can just sign it right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I've been saying this since it, it was clear Elias Pettersson was going to push towards 90, 95, 100 points. This is a great opportunity for him to sign this summer. Yeah. Yeah, you can wait till the cap goes up and all this sort of stuff. But once you confirm you have a 100-point season, what a chance to put pen to paper and secure 85 million at least anywhere from anywhere if you want to give a 10 million range a wide yeah. range 80 to 90 million yeah so it's it's really hard to say no to 80 million dollars like even when you know you might get more down the road human beings are flawed that way well they, they like getting 80 million dollars well and he's also made 22 million plus coming off an entry-level contract where he got a bunch of bonus money because he performed really well we're talking about a guy who's going to be able to say before his by the time his next contract runs out he's earned in excess of 100 million dollars in the national hockey league this is, and you can sign one more contract after that too and still get more money, right? So it's one of those things where it's like a generational upon generational money mm-hmm. and you, you know, it's, it's hard to bypass those types of things. And I think that's just the money aspect of it. But the reason I think they also are waiting, to your point, you don't want to be the person that sets the precedent, especially when there's no urgency for you to do so. Because what if, what if there's a wider indication, which will maybe even get as soon as Saturday when the when Gary Bettman speaks about where the cap is going, not only next year, but the year after. Now, the cap is not expected to go up more than a million, than a million and a half, max two million this year, mm-hmm. right? If something really happens, but it's not going to really move this year. If it does move three to four million next season, or perhaps even more, and teams and agents know this, are we going to see a precedent-setting contract handed out this year to either... Players in similar situations heading into final years of their contracts, albeit heading into UFA status in Sebastian Ajo and Austin Matthews Bick. Or how about the RFAs? Not quite as many that are direct comparables, but 
There's still a Alex DeBrinket, who's RFA looking for a big contract, Timo Meyer, Jesper Bratt, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Does one of those players... And Trevor Zegers. And Trevor Zegers. Now, Zegers coming off an ELC a little bit different, but nonetheless can mm-hmm. still get a lot of money. But I don't know if he's going to approximate. But, but my, what I wonder... But to your point... That's what I'm saying. Like, if there's some funny money spent this year... Yes. And I, I use the term funny money loosely. But if, if Trevor Zegers got something massive... Right. Well, so... What would, would he get more than what Dylan Cousins kind of got from the Buffalo Sabers? Probably a little bit more, maybe. So we're talking about seven million, eight million. Right, but that to me isn't funny money. That to no. me is like in line with the market. Do you, do you think Zegers is going to get like nine no, million or I, something? I, if he does, yeah. I, again, I'd be surprised if he got nine. But what happens if he gets if, nine? If you're the agent, and you're saying, "Yeah, we can sign ten seven five on July 1st. But if someone, if if Dubois gets traded, if Zegers signs a big deal, if Timo Meyer, he's got a ten million dollar qualifying offer, you, you get to walk in and say, "Hey, this is what other teams are doing. My client is surpassing their accomplishments." And also, if you want to pay up, let's see what, like, if Matthew signs, yeah, or Aho too. If Aho signs. Now, I think Aho is going to come in around Braden Point, and I think he maxes out at ten. I think the question is for Patterson. Are they going to have a direct argument to get eleven plus? And I think that's what they're waiting for. And I think that's why it's fascinating because, like Matthews, if you want, you can sign on July first. Yes. So I think you want the ceiling set, and I think you want the floor set. If you're Elias Pettersson's camp, you want to see what Matthew signs for if he signs immediately, and I think you want to see what a Meyer signs for. Or the, 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 the RFAs that you mentioned, if they're waiting for the RFA camp. I feel like the RFA camp might set the floor, mm-hmm. and the Matthews Ajo might set the ceiling. And if, if that's what happens, Elias Pedersen can s- sit snugly in the middle and say, all right, now I know what payday is. Yes. Rather than being trying to jump the queue here, uh, unless there's a number that just makes you sign on July 1, and that one might be a bit higher than people want to sign right now. Yeah, and I think... You know, you know, I don't think we need to go too much deeper into this. We've spoken quite a bit about Pedersen, what the contract looks like, but it was something notable that, that came out. And I know there was some question about, is this an indication of him maybe taking pause on team direction and where they head mm-hmm. as an organization? And I mean, we can't get into his mind and, and say, or whatever, but I don't think he's going to have an indication truly about what this team's going to be until they get on the ice in training camp. Right until he, or at least just the season begins. Like for him to truly, if you're taking a wait and see approach, you won't get that until the big season begins. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine and your agent wouldn't be as this positive about getting it done. So I don't think. Yeah. I, now, could it, if let, let's say they do some really bold things that look really foolish, could they change? Of course, I mean it's human nature or whatever it is. But I think that's the biggest indication of something getting done at some point here over the next few months. But why it may take a little bit longer than maybe people think in terms of it getting done on July first. Um, now, the, the Pedersen stuff, obviously, is always going to be what leads us to, uh, what leads a show, especially when he hasn't had a long-term contract signed quite yet. And there's always a lot of re- reaction on it. Marcus and Gibson says, bridging EP40 was the biggest mistake Jim Benning made. It left cap space that allowed him to do the OEL trade. Changed my mind. And hey, I mean, the one thing to keep in mind, the Canucks got the OEL money and the Garland money by getting rid of Erickson, Beagle, and Roussel. That was $12 million that swapped out for one another, right? So so if they don't make the OEL trade, they don't have extra cap space. 
You, you get what I'm saying? And I'm not saying the A trade was good. Yes. My, my point being, if the point if they were trying to sign Pedersen, the OEL trade didn't get in the way because they yeah. couldn't move those guys. The only way they could move OEL, uh, Erickson, Beagle, and Roussel was that type of a trade. So that didn't clear cap space for mm-hmm. you to sign Pedersen. They could have signed Pedersen to a longer-term contract had they made other decisions, perhaps. I do agree with that. But I don't think the OEL trade specifically got in the way of that because the money was still available, right? So I'd, I'd say that now. Um, in terms of the OEL trade. And I know it has left uh, quite a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Now, uh, that's going to be a discussion, of course, as we go on here. But the other thing I wanted to lead into here, we have a couple more topics we want to hit because it was quite a newsworthy day across the National Hockey League. and it There was a trade today. There was a trade, a minor trade. The Edmonton yeah. Oilers have acquired... Uh, a forward, I believe it is. Tyler, I, I don't know if I say, uh, Grooby. Grooby, Grooby yeah. yeah, from the New York Rangers in exchange for a fifth-round pick. They were not going to sign him, so they jumped the queue and, and got the player, of course. So And and Jet Wu was signed today? Yeah, Jet Wu was signed. You, know, you want to do the Jet Wu thing first? Sure. Okay, let's do Jet Wu here. All right, he signed a one-year deal, two-way deal, 100K in the minors, league minimum at the National Hockey League level. What should we take away from Jet Wu, who was the unsung hero for the Abbotsford Canucks this past season? Yeah, if I'm looking at... Um, success pass for Jet Wu this upcoming season? Is it something like um, can he be like Guillaume Brisebois? Yeah, I think I think the Guillaume Brisebois internal thing that happened this past year is the biggest hope for any mm-hmm. one of these players. It shows a number of things. I think maybe most notably for the players in the organization that no matter who drafted you and how long you've been here, these are fresh set of eyes mm-hmm. on you. We have a different plan here. And if you can do the things we're looking for, hey, we're going to give you a chance and we're going to keep you around. So I think that creates a positive environment for everybody, no matter who drafted you and who brought you to the organization. But number two, is it was Breezeball an indication of the player emerging or him being or the environment improving for him to get better? Like, so how should we view this? Like, can Jet Wu do what Brisebois did based on the environment, or does it come down to the individual still? I uh, yes to both. Yeah, right. And similar to what we were saying yesterday, we, we want to say it's only one thing that has contributed to a result. Both things are true. I'm gonna steal a status. Yeah, uh, multiple things can be true at the yeah. same time. It seems like, and I, I don't think anyone's stepping out of line to to praise this, but what they've done at the AHL levels significantly improved mm-hmm. and players have taken steps there obviously Guillaume Brisebois perhaps most notably at least what it impacted to the the pro level because obviously they got uh, a handful of games and, and suddenly a player that was feeling like forgotten about provided complementary depth to you and so now Jet Wu's on a path here at age 22 where Guillaume Brisebois maybe didn't get that opportunity when he was 22 because he had to go through a couple of years and now we at age 25. Can they just kind of switch the timelines and say, hey, what Guillaume Brisebois just did, rebuild your standing in the organization. Next year, you're going to get an opportunity. When there's injuries, you step in the lineup, and you're going to be ready to perform the way we want you to perform. We are now giving you that skill set. It's upon you to walk through that door. Yeah. But everything Jet Wu's done this year has indicated that he's walking through that door. I, I think he is. And I do think there's been a level of maturity as well, which has probably helped him go a long way because he's he's always had a lot of tools. You know, he, he's a sturdy hockey player. He skates well. He's a righty defenseman. He can hit really well. He can move the puck decently. He's had an issue and, putting it together. And all those traits take time yes. for the profile that you're playing. If you're a power forward, you can do those things because at some point, you know, at, at some yeah. point, you're going to get a chance to score a goal and all that sort of stuff. 
when you're playing that defensive D man, like your goals, and I mean like your version of of getting points is hits and contact and boxing out, breaking up the cycle, and you just need to be a bigger person. Like right. that stuff takes time. Get stronger you're, as well. You're yeah, twenty years old. You're twenty one years old. That stuff takes time. And now that you're at that age, hey, th- these are going to be your opportunities. That your successes are should be start to become more frequent if that's the style of player you're going to be. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that. And maybe we should have a bit more, I wouldn't say necessarily hope, but maybe, let's say, optimism that, that Jet Wu can be something down the road or perhaps play some meaningful games for you, given what we've seen happen with a number of these defensemen this year. And also maybe having more predictability in how you play as an organization, not only at the AHL level, but the NHL level. And some of that predictability and that structure, if you get used to it and that player can abide by those things, well, it makes it a bit easier to make that transition if he does ultimately get some of those chances. Now, uh, obviously, Jet Wu, we all wish the best for him. And, you know, the Canucks need somebody to step up, right? We talk about somebody emerging somewhere. Is it going to be a Jet Wu type? Is it going to be a Hirose type? Who's going to be one of these guys who steps up over the next year or so and becomes something for this team? And, and maybe just maybe Jet Wu can push himself into that discussion. But in terms of what's been going on around the National Hockey League, let's start with the big one in Toronto with Brad Trade Living being the next GM of the Leafs. And, I mean, from a Leafs perspective, whatever. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about that for quite some Mm -hmm. time here. What I do find interesting, though, and why I like Brad Trade Living getting a job in the National Hockey League, forget Toronto right away, is the guy likes making trades. (laughs) And I I thought you were going to say something else. Well, I mean, he likes Canucks players. (laughs) We'll get to that. But, you know, I was going to get to the point, like, you know, we we do the myopic, hey, how does this affect Vancouver thing? We'll get to that in a second. But in general, and this is something Doug Armstrong mentioned in in an interview recently, that not all GMs talk to one another, Mm -hmm. which is so stupid. But still, like, for whatever reason, not all GMs communicate with one another. It's like us. Not all 650 hosts talk to each other. (laughs) No. I know. But, I mean, I'm not trying to make trades with you. Yes. Like, I'm not trying to trade uh, 650 sweaters with different hosts here at the the radio station. I've been trying to trade Dom for Josh. For weeks, <laughs> we put a Jokes. I put a no move clause into Josh Elliott Wolf's contract. That's why you can't get away from it. Has this. to follow Sat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also no move. <laughs> yeah. Also no move. Uh, so I'd say, of course, right. But I think he's one of those guys that does do that. He does like one of the things he, people say about Brad Trail Living. That's why you know I wondered as soon as he got fired that he's going to get a job right away. Is that he's active mm-hmm. and somebody who's able to have good conversations with every single team in the league and make does business and knows how to get deals done. He's a deal maker. Mm-hmm. They're not easy to find. You can, you can quibble, you can criticize and everything, but the, people always say it's really hard to make trades. You know who doesn't have a hard time making trades generally is Brad Trey living, right? So I, I'm glad he's back in the league because when he's in the league, deals happen. Yeah, it's it's it would be really boring if there was one perspective for 32 teams. Yeah. You want different motivations. You want different perspective. You want different viewpoints of how to have success in this league. And Rat Tree Living does it differently. And it's, you know, don't want to say it's it's a maverick personality. But, yeah, he's willing to be bold. Mm-hmm. And it, it's clearly a stated principle of what they think they need right now. Someone who's willing to make some tougher decisions. And if that means moving out someone that is... Popular, like it just feels like there's just more smoke developing around like a Marner type idea. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, like if if he comes in there when he is coming in there, who's the only untouchable? Really, it's Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. Unless you get to a point where he's like, I want out, and you have to do something. But he's probably the only guy. I keep thinking about, hey, who's the guy that Toronto will not trade? 
there are guys they can trade. Like I don't think Riley's going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't think John Tavares is going anywhere. But well, he, he's, he's almost a untouchable by proxy. Yeah, exactly by contract. Yeah. And almost, I mean, same thing with Riley. Not that his contract is necessarily horrible, and I'll, I'll do wonder about how it ages, ages. But it's not an easy deal to make. Like, what are you doing if you're trading O'Reilly? Or, or I mean, mm-hmm. my uh, Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley. Like, you're doing it for Pareko, for instance. Yeah. Like, who wants to do that? And suddenly you just start running out of names, and the yes. only two that look like are like Nylander and Marner. Nylander, Marner, and that's pretty much it. And you know they have other guys that can move out, like kind of you know in, in the middle of their roster or whatever. But you can look at a team like even Calgary. He likes a guy like Elias Lindholm, two way mm-hmm. type of centerman. You know, a guy can do both things. Would he rather make a swap like that, where he swaps um, Marner and signs Lindholm, for instance? We know he's been after J.T. Miller. Again, Canucks perspective, he's a guy that was hot on J.T. Miller's heels a number of times before. I don't know if Vancouver would want to make a swap like Marner, but I think he's going to be calling a number of teams and kind of inquiring about guys that have a bit more sandpaper to him or can do things as two-way players a bit more, guys who can play center a bit more, because they have a center issue there. You can look at it and say Marner can play center, Tavares can play center. Nylander is kind of featured center. But right now, it's essentially Matthews, and everybody else probably preferred to play wing. So they kind of need to flip one of these guys and get somebody who can play center. Certainly. And, again, I I think it's a fun thing for the league that Bradtree Living stays in and also stays in in this market. Yes. It's one thing to be, you know, pushed away into a smaller market. Like, if he ended up in Nashville, and we'll talk about Nashville here in a minute, too, but... Man, it's going to be a blast watching Brad Tree Living sort this out. Yeah, hopefully he does make a number of different deals. And But do you see anything else in Vancouver? I don't know. I, mean, I know Besser, he was kind of talking, but does it make any... I don't see anything that makes sense with their roster for, for a guy like Besser. Garland? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know if that makes you know fits there, necessarily. I know Toronto liked, did have some level of interest in Garland in the I, past, I feel like it, but it, that was a previous regime. I, I feel like it suited Calgary way more than it would... Toronto right now. If we're yeah. looking at specific Canuck players, I'd just be stunned if they were thinking like, hey, the solution yeah. to some of our problems was Besser or Garland. Yeah. Unless it means like we're getting plus plus and we're saving a bit of cap. Or something like that, which I don't I don't know. Which I, hey, if you're Vancouver and you can secure a Willie Nylander for Brock Besser plus. Sure. I mean, and then but, you take one year with Nylander and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, I don't necessarily, but what's the upside for Toronto? Unless that plus exactly. is significant. enticing. Yeah. You know, Nylander had a significant year. I mean, they can get a first-round pick and a good prospect for him if they want to move him. They can do better than Brock Besser in a second or whatever it is Vancouver could offer, right? There's really only one name. That stands it's, yeah, it's JT. That's it. Oh, no. I was going to say Thatcher Demko. Oh, Thatcher. Oh. They've had okay. a goalie issue. Yeah, they had. But I just and don't see it. And it. it was like yeah. the one. Yeah, no, I, I don't see it either. But it was like the one thing. I think Kyle Dubas is fantastic at his job, right? Yeah. And there's been supreme bad luck. Like, when you sign your four biggest contracts right before a pandemic hits, and then a pandemic hits, that's bad luck. It is bad luck. I mean, they were going on the projection of the cap being well over $90 million by Yeah. Now. And that just did happen. So th- th- that's something that, like, you can't control. Elements are out of your hands. But, like, the one thing that constantly stuck out is the manner in which they tried to solve the goaltending issue. Yeah. And, again, they, they've played good defense during the regular seasons, and there's an environment set up for goaltenders. But, like, the bet they made on Matt Murray was a kind of a dangerous one because there's an injury history with Matt Murray. Yeah. And it materialized again. And there's all these other issues, and they just never really solved that. And if that's the thing that, hey, higher-ups are looking at and say, we want to solve the goaltending issue. Yes. 
No, 100%. And you know what? There's another team. You know what? We'll, we'll do. We're going to talk to George Richards, but after we chat with Richards, let's talk about the National Predators mm-hmm. too because they may be in for a massive organizational change in terms of how they want to play hockey. We know how the National Predators have gotten this far as an organization. To take the next step, they may start to get bold. We'll talk about that coming up in a bit. I did want to hit a couple text messages before we get to George Richards here and, and take a break. Christopher stuck in traffic. Given you sta- started on a Miller for Marner trade, can you break down the pros and cons? As Snoop the Dog made the suggestion of, well, if you get Marner for uh, Miller, Marner's younger, maybe has more value, you can mm-hmm. flip him for something else. What are some pros and cons, you think? I mean, the biggest con is despite the fact that Marner's a better, younger player, the cap hit is very big. And in a capped-out league... It's 10 and change. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's like 10.75. It's mm-hmm. a lot of money. As good as he is, it's not easy to move those contracts. So as much as he made... 10.903. 10.9. So it's yeah. essentially 11 million. 11 million dollars. You know, there was some and, suggest- and by the way, if you're paying $10 million, $11 million for Mitch Marner, Elias Pettersson asked just suddenly went up, too. Yeah. yeah like, if you, if you wanted 10.7 for Elias Pettersson, yeah. Elias Pettersson's not going to say, hey, the guy that you you brought in from out of the locker room to put in the locker room, I want more than him. Yeah. That, that, I can see that coming from a mile away. Yeah. I think that's the biggest impediment of yeah. that. I mean, he's a younger player, very talented. You take the start to level talent. But it's still eleven million, and it's what three more years. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a big cap hit and not a lot of control. So that's the biggest, you know, um, I'd say con of of a Mitch Marner addition. So I don't think you can necessarily get Marner and then flip him for something better. Like the value may be pretty similar overall because mm-hmm. of how big the contract is. Still really like the player. I like the player. I like a lot it too. it yeah. floors me every single time. It's like, oh, they got to do something bold. Mitch Marner. It's like oh, that's the guy you want to really. Do? Yeah, I get it, and I get it. Playoffs has, has been a struggle. But he's so good. Yeah. No, I know. And final one, Riley for OEL. Morgan Riley for OEL. I don't think Toronto's interested in doing that. Sounds great for Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. And final text, Brad's offering free Boston pizza as a sweetener in deals. That's why they're getting deals done. Everyone loves free pizza. Uh, I see the logic in it. All right. uh, Great stuff. We'll continue the conversation about the Canucks, their offseason plans, and more of your interaction on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox. But next, we're going to turn our sights to the Stanley Cup final, the Florida Panthers versus the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll check in with George Richards from Florida about those pesky Panthers right here on Canuck Central. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People Show with Bick Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Canuck Central. Satin Bick coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. We're going to chat with George Richards coming up in just a moment. Panthers reported with the Florida with Florida Hockey Now, and that's coming up in a second. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. And Bick, I'm excited for the cup final. Vegas versus the Florida Panthers, and we are guaranteed to see a franchise win the Stanley Cup for the first ever time. And, I mean... A single tier drops down for a lot of Canucks fans right now. Yeah, been around for a long time. Both of these teams came into the league well after the Canucks, but they might or might be looking at a first Stanley Cup before that. So let's talk about that and more with George Richards, Panthers reporter for Florida Hockey Now. George, always a pleasure getting you on the show. And, uh, you know, it's been quite the run here with the Florida Panthers. And I just keep thinking to myself... The last few games of the regular season, there was no certainty they would even be in the playoffs. And if I were to tell you, if I would have told you two months ago that you'd be here for game one of the cup final, Hmm. would you have believed it? 
No, no, I, I don't think I would have. <laughs> not yeah. especially not when they were down three one, and then uh, Boston in that yeah. game five, and you know, you had the Brad Marchand uh, breakaway all by himself, and in, in the final seconds of regulation. No, I didn't. I didn't see this coming. How much has that actually played a role in this? Because I'm just curious, like the, the the psychology of defeat and just being so close to it, and then suddenly one thing goes right, and here here they are just rolling through the second and third round yeah i mean they were obviously down you know they they lose at home game four i believe it was six two um and their season's on the line right mm-hmm. i mean that this is it one more loss and then it's summertime and they win that game in boston and yeah like you know the the Marchand right there and aaron ekblad almost sweeps the rebound into the net um, it, it comes this close to, to going into the net. Um, and they just kind of rolled with it after that. They they win game six at home, and then they go into a game seven, carefree, whatever, um, win that one. And then, you know, they, they've kind of just blown, you know, rolled through it. Uh, they've had nothing but one goal wins since. Um, I think game one in Toronto was 4-2, but other than that, the rest have been one goal games. So they've been on the edge this whole time, and it doesn't seem to phase them. They seem to enjoy it. They seem to have, they'd rather play that way. There hasn't been a single blowout. Um, no, the, I don't think there has been. And one of the things that I, I kind of wonder about, too, uh, about this Florida Panthers team in general is, you know, we, we sit and talk so much, especially from the outside, about the obvious guys, Matthew Kachuk, and we talk about, um, you know, Sergey Bobrovsky and even Alexander Barkov. Is is there something or someone on this team that you think hasn't been given enough credit for getting to this point? I, I don't know because I think everybody's been been kind of sharing in this credit. I mean, you've even had like you know the the guys, you know, you've had Nick Cousins score a game winning goal, um, you know, against Toronto. You've had Carter Verhage, you've had Sam Reinhart, but but yeah, I mean the spotlight has been on Matthew Kachuk, Sasha Barkov, and obviously Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, I, I think their defense has been better than advertised. I mean, this was a weakness of this team, um, and, and they've come kind of come together and they've helped Bobrovsky out. He's he's mentioned it numerous times how appreciative he is of, of the defensive play. Um, yeah, I think it's just a, a collective effort with a couple guys in the spotlight and everybody kind of just kind of sharing in on it. So uh, on Bobrovsky, I, I feel like he and Kachuk have kind of taken the torch of what this Panthers run has been. Um, is it is it more defense related or is it more Bobrovsky related that of, of why he's having success? I, I think a lot of it is you know Bobrovsky related because he's making some spectacular saves. Um, but you're not seeing breakaways aside from the Brad Marchand one um, in, in game five. I mean, you're not seeing breakaways. You're seeing, you know, the Panthers collapsing the net, um, clearing out big rebounds that have been a problem in the past uh, of not clearing them for Bobrovsky. I mean, he does give out big rebounds, and a lot of times the puck just, you know, floats into the ether and some, you know, the opposing team picks it off. Um, and those are getting cleared out now, which, you know, which, which goes to the desperation thing, right? These guys are just flinging, you know, using their sticks to, to, to clear pucks. And I think they've been doing a good job of that. And 
and that's why the games have been so close. Uh, the Panthers have been focused on defense and, and getting timely goals, getting overtime goals, getting power play goals, and, uh, you know, not trying to blow anybody out. They're just trying to keep it close, and we'll see at the end of it. Well, and, you know, it's very clear that uh, you're right. They keep things close to play this really good structure and style. But the level of physicality they seem to have game in and game out, I, that's one thing I've been so impressed by. But I guess maybe shouldn't be surprising because they do have a lot of physical players. I know Barkov doesn't get a lot of penalties, but it's hard to get the puck off of him. He wins a lot of board battles. Is this one of the more physical teams in the league as well when they play their game? They, yeah, they've, they've, they've evolved into that. And even you've got, you've got Sasha Barkov, um, you know, putting players in, into the glass, which, which we've never really seen before. Um, they just come with such energy. And, you know, they really um, – they've been able to keep that jump going throughout. I mean, uh, I think in game four against Carolina, they kind of got away from that, playing at home. You know, they, they, you know, they were looking for the big hit, and, and sometimes they didn't get it. But, you know – They've been able to take people off the puck. They've, their forecheck has been terrific. Um, and, and while, you know, some fans found that a boring style to play, um, the Panthers have been able to get the puck into the zone and then go get it. Um, and on the flip side of it, when a team turns over the puck in the zone, in the offensive zone, nine times out of ten, the Panthers are scoring on that. So the Panthers have been able to do a good, great job in the back end and, you know, going after the puck in, in, in the offensive zone. Who's a player that you kind of look at this in, in this series uh, that is going to kind of dictate uh, a, a win for the Panthers in, in, in a matchup role? Ooh, um, I think the, the second line um, has been doing a real, you know, you've, that's the Sam Bennett line. Mm-hmm. Is that first or second line? I, I don't know what they're calling it now, but, but Sam Bennett, Matthew Kachuk, and Nick Cousins. Um, have been doing a real good job of neutralizing uh, the opponent. Um, you know, Sasha Barkov, their top, you know, that line has been a real good uh, defensive line with, with Barkov, Verhage, and, and Duclair, which you wouldn't think because, you know, you don't think of Verhage and Duclair um, for their defense, but they, they use their speed so well. Um, they've been able to, to, you know, pick off pucks and they've been able to, you know, just neutralize teams so I, I think those the top two lines for Florida have been really good at that you, you know and in, in terms of what Matthew Kachuk has meant not only to the Florida Panthers but I think the National Hockey League has been pretty tremendous I mean we saw him on TNT you know a chop it up with the TNT uh, NBA on TNT mm-hmm. panel which was fantastic and he has great a great infectious personality he's a great hockey player and I mean, not only is he a great star, but it seems like he's one of those guys that has a real aura and draw about him. Is that really being felt in Florida this year? Oh, yeah. I mean, it is now. I mean, I, I don't know about during the regular season, but a little bit. I mean, the guy was the MVP of the All-Star game that was held down here. He kind of took that spotlight, um, you know, away from the NHL's best players. I mean, that was the Matthew Kachuk show uh, down here in South Florida and yeah, he's definitely he's got that it factor, and he's not only a very good hockey player, but he's just that cocksure guy. He's you know he's 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 taken on that Fort Lauderdale Beach vibe, and he's you know people in South Florida, oh, he's one of us. You know, he's 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 one of he's our guy now, and um, we really haven't seen that down here. A, a real superstar with the Panthers. 
um, that that transcends just the game. I mean, you know, the, the, the guy that's going to sell, you know, Chevrolets on on Channel Thirty Three you know, on commercials and stuff. We haven't seen that down here, right? Um, and, and I think that you you now have that with Matthew Kachuk. So, what is the, the the Florida athlete power ranking right now? Is it like Jimmy, Tyreek, Tua, and Kachuk? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that—that's about it. I mean nobody from the Marlins, so yeah. <laughs> I mean Barkov's in there. I think Bobrovsky's getting in there, um, uh, just because of this run. Um, but yeah, I mean you've got Jimmy Butler, Tua, Tariq, Tyreek, and uh, and and yeah, Kachuk. That's that's pretty much your big four now. That's wild. That's that's great for him. Well, it is. I mean, when we go back and think about Florida personalities. I mean, I, I I'd have to think the biggest star they had up until this point that resonate this much would have to be Luongo, right? Yeah. No, Roberto Luongo was for sure, but mm-hmm. you didn't, you know, he, he was, you know, he was a guy that, that was recognizable anywhere he went. Yeah. I mean, kind of like Dan Marino couldn't walk into a Publix and not be recognized. Same, same with Luongo. He can't walk into a store and mm-hmm. people not notice him. I mean, um, he's definitely that guy, but he wasn't like, you know, a pitch man right. or something of that sort mm-hmm. where, where you could see Kachuk doing that. And as far as Luongo and, and the work he's done, how big a part or small a part and has he kind of been in terms of the front office and, and how the Florida Panthers have gotten to this point? Yeah, he's here all the time. I mean, he's he's around the team. Everybody, that's, you know, one of the guys that, that uh, Matthew Kachuk wanted to celebrate the Eastern Conference Championship with, with the Prince of Wales Trophy. Um, it, it was fun seeing Roberto Luongo and, and, and Matthew Kachuk um, taking pictures with it and all that kind of stuff, you know, about 40 minutes after the game. Um, it's, as far as what he does with, with the hockey department, I mean, Bill Zito is very inclusive. I mean, he built a front office of, of people that he wants to hear their ideas. It's a very open space where everybody, you know, hasn't, you know, their thoughts are heard. And I think that Roberto Luongo is an extremely trusted part of that. Um, he's at every practice, you know, sitting with Bill Zito, they discuss things and it's not just the goalie, you know, it's not just the goalie department that that, that Roberto runs, but they're talking about a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, Roberto Luongo not being that far removed from it. I mean, uh, his last game was in 2019. So he was on the ice with, with a lot of these guys. Um, so he still has, you know, a finger on the pulse of what these guys are going through and what they're feeling and that, and that kind of thing. George, it's always a pleasure getting you on the show, man. We appreciate your time and, and hopefully catch up with you yeah. again soon for what should be a fun Stanley Cup final. It should be fun anytime. We'll talk to you. You got it. That's George Richards, right. Florida Hockey Now, to check out his work and make sure to follow him on Twitter as well. Got a question for you. Yes. So the league, mm-hmm. the NHL, yeah, historically been – very conservative and, you know, wants players to fall in line, all this sort of stuff. How thankful do you think the league is that Matthew Kachuk thought to himself, I'm a bigger star than people realize? That's pretty good, hey? Because Matthew Kachuk kind of bet on himself that, you know, part of it was not just playing in the American market, but he thought he was a guy who deserved to get paid a certain amount and thought he could be the face of a franchise. Be the face of a franchise. And, like, Matthew Kachuk was right in a big way. And it's been a big – you're right. And it's paid off in a big way for the National Hockey League. When was the last time we – I mean, and I know there's a vested interest now for 
for for uh, TNT mm-hmm. because they they do air the Stanley Cup Finals right, and everything. But, but they don't just put anybody on that panel unless they think he's a good enough personality or big enough star to sit there. Yeah, and, and make no mistake, he, he's there for accomplishment. Yes, and achievement, and everything that he's done through these playoffs and. His season was pretty fantastic in Florida. The Panthers yeah. as a whole, obviously, given where they are, almost not getting in. But like he bet himself in a huge way. And the NHL historically would be like, oh, guys trading, yeah, yeah. Uh, trade requests, all that sort of stuff. It's kind of frowned upon. But, man, the league is probably smiling ear to ear right now that he did that. Oh, yeah. And you know what? Like In terms of how you handle a trade request, did he not handle it in the best way possible? Gets to the last year of his deal and says... I can play this year out if you yeah. want me to, but I'm not signing here. I'm letting you know right now. That's the ideal way to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it put them in a bad spot, but they made the best out of it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think in a big way, uh, this is a big win, kind of for everyone but uh, Brad Tree Living. But, well, he, but he, ended, he landed on his feet okay. Well, yeah, he, I mean, yeah, it wasn't his fault. The guy says, I don't want to stay here. Yeah. Right? Like, what, what are you going to do? You can't force a guy to stay somewhere. And same thing with Johnny Goudreau to some extent. But nonetheless... How, how many guys are bigger stars right now in the National Hockey League than Matthew Kachuk? Okay, so I've had this conversation. I, I think I've had it with Izzy on the air, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, Across the league, and I mean average sports fan, not even average hockey fan. How many players in the league do you think there are that the average sports fan is, hey, this guy's in my town tonight. Let's go g- grab tickets to the game. It's Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. It's probably still Ovechkin. Yep. I, I, again. Crosby. Yeah. Those three. I mean, you know, just because it's Crosby, Ovechkin, and does Matthews hit that in the U.S.? Maybe does he? I'll I'll put Matthews on there. Yeah. Put put him there. Okay. And probably Kale McCarr. Not McKinnon. I don't. Maybe McCarr. Right. I mean, I, I think the same thing. I was thinking about as I think Nathan McKinnon might be a better player than Matthew Kachuk. He is a better player. I think. Mm-hmm. center and everything, but I, I'd say that Kachuk's a bigger star. Like He's more noticeable, notable in the U.S. I'm, right now. I'm now willing is. to add Matthew Kachuk to this list. Yeah, he's And I think that's list. the list. And look, this isn't like this guy is better than this player. I'm just talking about star gravitas. Draw. Yeah, star draw. Who's buying tickets because this guy's in your city tonight? And I think that list has always been about five people, and now I think you can add Matthew Kachuk in there. Well, especially in American markets. Yes. American player who, who plays the way he plays, right, and is the star the way he is, and not only does he have personality, he also plays hockey in, in the way that Americans view hockey. Is like, oh, here's a tough, talented well, he, he hockey plays, player personality. I, I think for he plays hockey the way people want to see hockey be played. Yeah. Not just American, whatever it is. I think that's the thing that really stands out is it, it, it resonates to people when they see guys push people through walls and score with skill and play with tenacity and fight for every inch. All the true ideals of what we want to see what the game looks like. Uh, and then some showmanship to it. Matthew Kachuk uh, is doing in spades right now. No, he is. Uh, somebody texted and said, didn't Yager play for the Panthers? Yeah, but I mean, but he, he played there later in his career. I mean, Burry was there when he scored 60 goals one mm-hmm. year, I think it was. But that was but, also before Luongo. You said yeah, since. since Luongo. Yeah. But also, like, in terms of star power that's, mm-hmm. in, you know, in that market as a star player who'd been there for a long time. And it's essentially Luongo and Kachuk now. Yager was, like, 40, I think. Yeah, 40. Old. Yeah. You know, and, you know, a bit different from that aspect. But I think it's just super fascinating about where the Florida Panthers find themselves. Honestly, like I, I didn't expect like, they would start the thing off with um, George Richards. You can say everything, anything you want about 
Florida, we should have given them more credit, and they're a better team, had a good year last year and everything. They were a Pittsburgh Penguins win away from not making the playoffs. Against Chicago. Chicago, yeah. You know, it's, it's just margins, remarkable. Fine Very lines. Fine lines, man. Fine lines. <laughs> Definitely fine lines. Um, now, we did kind of tease earlier that there's been some news around the National Hockey League. We mentioned the Toronto Maple Leafs hiring Brad Trade Living as their general manager. The National Predators finally, finally made a decision on their head coach. They have moved on from John Hines, and they have hired um, Andrew Brunette to be the next head coach. One thing, sidebar real quick. Didn't Barry Trotz talk about how uh, Boudreaux being hanging in the wind for so long was disrespectful? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, nonetheless, I use that a word. Hey, shout out to it. another team. Uh... <laughs> Taking their time with their coach. Yeah. But hey, apparently he made a cl- Forget it. Okay. You know the old lesson when you're a kid? It's like you screw up in class and everyone's kind of poking fun. It's like... Just wait a couple of days. Someone else will become the new focal point. Yes. The Canucks are off the hook <laughs> They now. are off the hook. Exactly. The Predators have done it and hung their coach out in the wind, so everyone can comment about them now. Yeah, it wasn't quite as bad as Vancouver no. and quite as, you know, it's Nashville. It's not Vancouver, and it wasn't during a season. And to be honest, the act reports. was kind of similar, but because you're not playing games and not in front of the media every yeah. day, it comes off totally different. But it's so like but a month of like, well, this guy's not coming yeah. back. We're going to take our month here because yeah. just, just in case we don't find a guy we like and we don't want to pay this guy not to be our coach. Essentially what happened with him, but so they hired Andrew Brunette. But the interesting part about the Brunette hire pick to me is Barry Trott saying part of his news conference that they want to change the brand of hockey they want to play. Mm-hmm. They want to be exciting. They want to be fast. They want to be skilled. They want to draft players with a high skill level in this year's draft. Their future is going to be a lot different than the responsible... You know, shut down hockey we've seen from the Predators relying on great goaltending. Or, or we've seen from Barry Trotz. Yeah. It's it's really funny that Barry Trotz has been like this open about being flashy and aggressive. Now, it's true, but he did do that with the Panth when he went to Washington. Mm-hmm. Right? Like in his style, maybe a member, like he was, he was at the forefront of, hey, let's create more better quality scoring chances. And he relied on that offensive skill that they had. So I think he might be looking at it as can I recreate what we had with the Capitals and play that brand of hockey? Instead of, do we play mm-hmm. the Islanders brand? Do we play the Predators of the past brand of hockey? I- I'd say Barry Trotz is kind of is kind of circling the Panthers that Brunette coached last year, high-power team, and the team he coached with the Capitals. Yeah, and, and, and it's fair. Um, but he did mention, hey, wanting more offense. Yes. And you go through this team and... Some of it's a bit murky, but you know we've obviously talked about Garland destinations and all these things. But I, I've kind of just looked at teams that five on five weren't getting goals from the wing. Like Nashville's among the lowest in the league. Yeah, and they don't have. I mean, they don't get a lot of scoring from the wings. They're actually pretty committed down the middle because mm-hmm. of the number of players they have under contract: Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson. Well, Duchesne plays the wing for him. He does play, but, the wing, but he can't play center. I mean, yeah. but like basically, they're down the middle. They already have their Sissons as well. They have all their guys already kind of. They don't get a lot from the wings. They're one of the lowest scoring teams in the league from the wings, actually. I remember during the season we were breaking this stuff mm-hmm. down, looking at them. Does that lead us into, Do they, do, can it be a fit with Vancouver? They have some cap space. The Canucks have wingers. Can it be a fit there in any way, you think? I, I think this is one of the primary teams. If they're looking for, if they if they specifically want goals from the wing and in a depressed free agent market, where are you going to be able to solve that, right? And, and this is why we talk about that that winger market so much, um, you're, if you want to go high end, like the Nylanders, if you want to go low end, like, a um, like a Nino Niederreiter kind of thing. And, Who and, they had in the trade yeah. away. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'll, I'll say, and 
Anthony Beauvillier, yes, right? Like there we go. The the, the span from Nylander to, to Beauvillier. Where does Victor Olofsson slot in? Where does Travis Konechny slot in? Anthony Mantha, Brock Besser, Kevin LeBanc. Like where are all these guys kind of slot in? If I'm Nashville and I'm looking to get more scoring on the wings, the guys I kind of look at is I mean Joel Faraby. You mentioned him. Mm-hmm. Like to me, one of the uh, more, Konechny was the one. Konechny, I Konechny, yeah. sorry, Konechny for sure. But one of the players that I'm really now Vancouver is different because they're so capped out or whatever, but. One team player that I'd want to pry away from Philly and take a flyer on if I can move money out and swap is Joel Therapy. Five years of $5 million. He's a guy who, just a couple of years ago, they were they thought they're going to build a franchise around. Mm-hmm. He's really hit the wall and everything like that. But he and Provorov were the two untouchables. Yeah, and then Provorov's yeah. changed. And now different regime, different management, different coach. Everything's different. So we don't know where Farabee kind of ranks in the hierarchy there or how well thought of he is. But I wonder if he's a guy that we're going to look back in a few years and say, oh, they jumped in and stole that guy, mm-hmm. and look at this deal. So I wonder about him with Philly. The thing is, I feel like you have to pay a reasonable amount for that. Yeah, I mean... Is is Nashville in a spot where they can shop in that market? Because I, I don't know if they can shop in a Konechny, Farabee, Nylander, Sam Reinhart. Well, they have draft picks. That type of market. They have two first-round mm-hmm. picks. They have a couple of second-round picks. They have a few thirds and fourths, extra seconds next year. I mean, they do have capital. They do have, you know, draft capital. Are they willing to move that? Yeah. Are they going to build on it? And what do they do, what do, they do, do with their goaltending? But, I, but I, don't, I know where you're leading with this. Could they look at a Besser Garland as a buy-low mm-hmm. option? For, for the type of style, and, and you mentioned on Friday or on Monday with uh, Frank, like Colton Sissons, yeah. it just fits the right profile. Cap range, position. I mean, Sissons is a bit older, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's turning 30, but he's 29, turning 30 coming up in November. 2.857 on the cap for three years. Like, hey, of course, Besser and Garland are better hockey players, but he plays center. He's a right-handed center, wins draws, good on the PK, has some speed, has some tenacity. He fits a need. Like, if you can't f- trade, you know, f- uh, get rid of all your cap space, get rid of some contracts to get cap space and go after somebody else, isn't that a swap it's, you can consider? Yeah. The thing that's interesting, it's, it's you can't look at it in a vacuum because you're doing that deal with the idea of what am I doing with three extra million? You know what I think of? is something that you brought up in the past. It's a deal that you take an L for but helps a greater good. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, your it's, roster settles, you get a little bit of cap space, you take a bit of a hit, but now everything's kind of settled at least. Things fall into place better. Yeah, it's 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 one of those ones you can't just look at in, in isolation. No, because there's context to it. Yeah, the trade in and of itself was a loss. It's kind of like the Dickinson con- trade. Like you can still say you don't like the Dickinson trade. You give up a second round pick for it, but they made the Dickinson trade to be able to make the Studnika and the Ethan Bear trade. So it's like we made this trade to allow us to make those trades, and that's how you look at it. Now you can dislike it, but in a vacuum, you take the loss to do something else. Is that something that you can also consider? All right. Uh, great reaction, as always, on our text inbox, 650-650. Keep your uh, comments and questions coming in because we have overrated, underrated coming up next. That's on Connect Central.